up, everybody. You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics, and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey, a production of ThatCast Network. Hey, now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We're here, as usual, in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, in the Pearl District, at the Living the Dream Studios, and I got D-Boy alongside me again today. It's been a while, D-Boy. That's the first thing I was going to say. It's been a minute, P. It's been a while, for I ain't sure. going to say we rusty, because it's like riding a bike, but it's been a minute to have this feeling in this booth, in this studio, <laughs> doing this podcast. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been about three weeks. Um... And for obvious reasons, we talked about it. And I'll get into more of the Germany trip and going back home to the Bay Area for a little while. Um, You know, podcast took a little vacation. But nonetheless, it is very safe to say that I missed this studio and this booth and this microphone and all of that good stuff. I tried to get him to do a podcast from there, but the times just didn't add up. It It didn't work. He was asleep when I was up. It didn't work. I was up when he was asleep. (laughs) It just didn't work. It didn't work. And I was really busy. For good cause. Yeah, I was really busy while I was out there, too. That's something that. I kind of, I guess, underestimated and my thinking before I left that I was going to be able to squeeze some time in to make it happen and record a podcast from Germany. Um, And it was a good busy, but busy nonetheless. Um, But a few quick announcements before I kind of dig more into the Germany trip. We're definitely talking NBA free agency um, amongst a few other things. But Quick announcements. Many of you know, I've talked about it time and again on this podcast about the Portland Street response. Um, It's something that we've worked on at Street Roots where I am employed and I told you all about how the city has picked it up and created a $500,000 budget for Portland Street response. And so Monday, this upcoming Monday, um, we have... A listening session being held at Sisters of the Road Cafe. And the person who is listening happens to be City Commissioner of Portland, Joanne Hardesty. Um, she's Her crew is kind of, you know, working on that particular budget and overseeing that particular budget as far as the city is concerned. And she wants to come and, you know, hear from real folks with real experiences. Um, even if you're not somebody that may necessarily have real experiences um, with the police, especially being somebody that's homeless and on the streets, if you support the people that are homeless and on the street and you want to see a change in some of the real drastic um, statistics in regards to um, the homeless and folks on the streets being arrested, going to jail, things of that sort. I urge you to come out and support and come to the listening session. Numbers matter, as we already know. And so even if you aren't somebody that has lived experience per se, but if you're into it, if you have an interest in it, if you know somebody with lived experience, it can be anything. But if you support the Portland Street response based on your knowledge of it, I'd advise you to come there. Sisters of the Road Cafe, um, that's on Monday. What's today? The 5th? So that's the 8th. Monday, July 8th, 5 p.m. at Sisters of the Road Cafe in downtown Portland. Be there. Um, another quick announcement. As I was going out of town in Germany, I was either in Germany or the Bay at that time. I don't even remember at this point. But um, I told you all a while back before we went on our vacation that um, I was on City Club of Portland's podcast. 
I went and recorded with Marcelino Alvarez of Uncorked Studios. We were the guest on City Club's podcast, and we discussed Major League Baseball to PDX. I think it was a very fascinating conversation. Um, you go to City Club of Portland's podcast on wherever you listen to your podcast. It's called Next at the Mic. And I think Marcelino and I had some really, really interesting things to say in regards to the project. Um, he was very thoughtful. Got to give him some credit for a lot of the knowledge in the game that he kicked on that episode. And you know me, I just went and did me. So um, please, please, please go and check that out as well. I'll be pushing that more on social media. But it is out. It is released. Um, now let's get to it, D-Boy. We're back, man. Talk about it. We back. We back. <laughs> Germany. Woo! Germany. Um, I had a really good time in Germany. Yeah, I'm going to let you drive it because yeah. I, I got to hear about this. I had a really good time in Germany. Um, I was there for about 10 days. Many of you know that I went out there for the INSP Summit, INSP standing for the International Network of Street Papers. Um, I went out there on behalf of Street Roots because our organization is a part of the International Network of Street Papers. And so I got to go out there and go to a summit and meet people from all over the world that are a part of this street paper movement as well. Um, it was really, really dope. I flew into Berlin and then I had to catch a two hour train ride down to Hanover, Germany. And that's where the summit was held at. And being able to meet and hang out with so many people and converse and learn from um, so many people that do street paper work all over the world. I think we had we had people from like 40 different countries there. Like it was a lot. <laughs> and so to be able to kind of really meet up and link up with those people and, you know, be able to go through the summit, that was all good and well, went went perfect. Ended up winning and go winning an award out there. Shout out um, to you. What, yeah, what yeah, awards yeah, we, you win? Well, it was our organization won an award for the best cultural feature nice. um, in the INSP. And so I was there to accept the award on behalf of our organization. Um, I had to give my little uh, award speech. <laughs> First ever. Right on the spot. I think like that might have been, yeah, on the spot. That might have been the, and I've won a lot of awards, which is crazy. That might be the first ever award speech <laughs> I've had to give, to though. I see that. You was up there funny, huh? <laughs> was, like, I'm really thinking about it. Like, obviously, playing sports. Jam-packed. We've been winning awards all our life in that perspective. Um, and, like, of course, I've gotten interviewed and things of that sort. But, but actually speech? having to do an acceptance speech, I've never had to do an acceptance speech before. Um, so I had to go all the way to Hanover, Germany, to do my first ever acceptance speech for an award. And it was dope. It was real cool. Fortunately, um, they juiced us up a little bit before we went to accept the awards because we had a dinner first. So, you know, with the dinner, they had wine and champagne for us. So... I at least had a little bit of courage in me to be able to go up on stage and do what I had to do. Well, hopefully I didn't, the United States follows suit and you'll be doing more accepted speeches here. Because yeah. I got to see it. Got to. Yeah, I, I did one. I definitely did, did one. Did you make the um, I got a good reaction out of the crowd. Right, I didn't right. really try to be too much of a jokester up there. I yeah, just kind of tried to do me. But I mean, the crowd definitely accepted my speech. Like they, there was a reaction there. It was gotcha. a positive reaction there. Um, it wasn't awkward. Nothing awkward happened in my acceptance speech. So that part was all good. That part was all good. But after I finished up with the summit, I had to go back to the city. I had to go back to Berlin, and it was interesting because the 
at the time, what I thought might have been a kind of stressful thing, and it was stressful at the time, let's just be honest. At the, in the moment, I was a little stressed, but not too stressed because I knew things were under control. They just weren't under my control. <laughs> and so when you don't have control of something, you what know... You mean? What you mean? So the summit was Monday, Monday through Thursday in Hanover, Germany. And I was booked to stay in Hanover until Saturday. So Thursday, the summit is over. So Friday, a lot of people, you know, a lot of street papers were came out of Europe and those sides and that side of the world. So they had short flights to be able to get home. Um, we check out time was noon at our hotel and it's Friday. And I don't realize until I'm checking out of the hotel and walking to the train station that my ticket that I had to get back to Berlin was booked for Saturday <laughs> instead of Friday because of whatever reason it was. So I was booked to stay in uh, Hanover until the, Saturday. But Friday, I'm again. checking out. I've already checked out my room. I'm going to the train station. And I look and I realize that I got a Saturday ticket. I also don't have my itinerary for a hotel on on Friday in Berlin. My itinerary was is... for Hanover. It was for Hanover still. Out. So my job had an extra day or thought it had an extra day to be able to send me the itinerary for Berlin because, because I was supposed to be difference. staying in Hanover. The time difference and I was supposed to be staying in Hanover for an extra day. So you messed up. So me, what I do is I go buy a train ticket because I'm gone. I'm, I'm, I'm out of Hanover. I'm leaving. I'm going to the city by hook or crook. That's what I'm doing. I'm in Germany. I'll figure it out. Yeah, and you so, messed up. You <laughs> determined to get out of it. Yeah, I'm gone. I'm out of here. All right. I, I have fun, Hanover, but now it's time to go. <laughs> now it's time to get to the city. So... I ended up catching the same train to the city. I get into Berlin, and now I'm in Berlin, and I'm like, it's it's about two or three o'clock um, their time, and they're nine hours ahead in Berlin. So that means we're about. I mean, if it's three o'clock out there, it's what six a.m. out here, and so I'm like, I know my my folks at work aren't gonna be. A, they're not up and at them yet right now. They're like they're not in work mode, but I need somewhere to stay, <laughs> and so. I go and I book what's called a hostel. The best thing that could have ever possibly happened for me. I book a hostel. Basically, a hostel is where you have rooms and they have bunks. So in the room I was in, we had three bunks and it was six of us to a room. People from all over the place. They're really cheap, um, but it's a hostel. And I've never stayed in a hostel before. How lucky did you get? Because I know me, I'm. I, that's probably my last resort, which it probably was yours out there, but... How did you get lucky with a good group of people or was anything a little sketch? Like, tell me about a hostel experience. So basically, I only I go, did hotel and Airbnb. Yeah. So basically, I go I go to check into the hostel. And granted, I knew that my job was eventually going to come around and be able to hit right. me up. You and that to I was going to have a hotel, but I had to wait it out. So I go to check into the hostel and I've never stayed in one before. And I go up to the room. And when I first get into the room, it's just me in there. All my other roommates, bunk mates, whatever you want to call them, they were all gone. And about 15 minutes into it, I had two guys. Uh, they came into the room, two of my roommates, and we met and we got to conversing and we ended up hanging out that night for the rest of the night. They had some things for me to do. We went to go eat dinner, ate at a good, we ate at a food spot called Burgermeister, which I would say is the equivalent to like In-N-Out 
in California, but okay. better than In and Out. I, right. And I'm a California boy, but Burgermeister for sure better than In and Out Burger. It was a and fire so, burger. Oh man, it was it was on point. And so I go out to eat with them, and we ended up going out to a couple of bars that night, which was cool because I had no plans out there anyway. So being able to connect with them, they've already been spending some time out there. They knew where to eat, where to party, all that good stuff. So I had fun that Friday night, and so. During the time I'm going out with them to get dinner, my job ends up calling me. So when my job calls me, we get things situated. I have a hotel booked now in Berlin, Germany. All fine and dandy. So whenever I get back to the hostel, I can just get my suitcase. They have Uber in Germany. And Uber is very efficient out there, too. Isn't Uber a German word? Damn near it got two I think two Uber's of them a German word. Yeah. I don't <laughs> I think, them, but they got two dots on the top of the Isn't U. Uber a German word? Uber. Yeah. But I know it didn't start in Germany because it started in San Francisco. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe that's why they had it there. I don't know, but they had it there. And I'll tell you this the, the, the ride share industry and Uber out there, far more efficient than How we are so? here in the I United States. I feel like States. it's pretty good here. What you mean, efficient? Oh, man. Just there was never a. I never really had to wait for a ride. Every time, and I rode Uber several times while I was out there. That was my main way of it transportation. Was on one minute, boom, pop one up. One minute, boom, pop up. Two, three minutes, boom, pop up. Out here, you might have to wait a little while from time to time. Six, eight These minutes. Six, eight minutes, you none know what I mean? You have, out there, it was none of that. It was so fast, it was so efficient. I was mind blown. And I, I like I said, I rode several times to be able to have, see and know that this is just a regular experience here, amongst many other things that i would say is efficient in germany um maybe or maybe not i'll get into that but anywho i go out with these guys friday night so saturday comes around and i want to go to the berlin wall so israel bear uh, he's actually the former executive director at street roots and he now oversees the north american bureau of the insp so he's over all of the street papers in North America for that INSP network that we had the summit for. He and I, we go check out the wall and then we do a city boat tour. City boat tour was phenomenal. It was beautiful. You got to see pretty much every part of Berlin, at least visually. What was the weather like? The weather was on point. 75, 80 degrees. Mm. It was it was the perfect day. Wasn't too scorching hot. Was sunny. Is it real beautiful? Humid there? It wasn't real humid. No, not really. Mm. No, I, I didn't get I didn't get much. Like humidity. A nice day it in felt Cali. like a nice day in California. It um. felt like it was a beautiful day. I couldn't ask for nothing more. I don't know if it was just because I was there or if that's really how it is out there, which I don't think that's really how it is, so I'll take the credit. But anywho. So we do this boat tour. Boat tour is about three hours. And when I get off the boat tour, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I'm I don't know if I want to go to my room, which is kind of on the other side of town, or if I want to just kind of, you know, stay out, hang out and about, see what's going on. I'm in Berlin. I, I need to do something. And so in the meantime, my phone battery is getting pretty low. I've been on the boat for three hours, you know, pictures, views, all that good stuff. And. When I pull my phone out, I'm like, I need to charge it. What do I do? Look up the hostel where I initially booked at. 
the hostel was nothing but a 15 minute walk from where I was. So now I know because I checked into that hostel the day before that I can go in that lobby area. They have plenty out outlets, plenty of places for me to charge the phone. They have a bar in there. I know if I go there, I'm all good. So I go to the hostel, charge my phone up. I get all the juice that I need. And as I'm there, now it's decision-making time. If I go back to the room, I'm probably in for the night. I did more than enough throughout the day. Like I said, touring the Berlin Wall. I had a late night the night before. Um, then I go on a three-hour boat tour. And like I said, that's outside in the sun. That's a tiring activity in itself. It, it's draining. Facts, facts. So tight. You're drinking beer. I'm drinking. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're interacting. Yeah. You're taking in that, you're tired. You're after tired that. after that, right? And so I'm thinking in my head, do I want to stay here in the central city in the main downtown touristy area of Berlin, or do I want to go back to my room, get some well-deserved rest, and you know, just call it a night? I did. I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish from the day. What do I do? Stay out. I'm in the hostel in the lobby area, and I see two young ladies, and. They happen to also be from America, and I'm seeing them over there, and, and I'm just like, I hear one of them talk. Matter of fact, I heard one of them talk at the bar, <laughs> and when she was at the bar, she was talking about those paper straws and not killing the turtles and all that. And so when I heard her say that, it kind of piqued my interest a little bit just because, like, okay, this is somebody, this is somebody I can converse with at least out here. I'm still in Germany. I'm not talking and being very social in the lobby of, of a hostel with people that speak all kind of several different languages. Many of them also speak English, so that's not a problem. But if I'm hearing you walk by me and you're speaking German, I'm not going to insert myself in that conversation. But if I hear you go to the bar right. and talk about the straws and the turtles, you I got me. I might blend in. And so I go up to the young ladies and I'm like, do y'all know anything that's going on tonight? Any big plans? And what do you know? They're like, yeah, we're down here in the lobby waiting for the pub crawl to begin. The pub crawl? So the hostel is the it's the meeting spot for a pub crawl that they do on weekends where you pay 12 euros to be able to be a participant, get a wristband and be a part of the pub crawl. And those euros you go bar hopping with this group. There's no cover if you're a part of this group and have the wristband already. Not only that, the bars you go to, you purchase a drink, you get a free shot. Mm. Now, the free shot is whatever cheap little free shot they want to give you. You're not getting the free shot of what you want. You're not getting the free shot of something top-notch smooth that's going to just have you okay. The free shot is probably the cheapest liquor we have Some here. bullshit. <laughs> so, <laughs> Gut rock bullshit. <laughs> the cheapest liquor we have here, and you're going to get a free shot. Man, listen. I ended up going on the pub crawl, had a wonderful night. The club scene, the nightlife in Berlin was so phenomenal. It was so energetic. It was so moving. It was so different. The culture surrounding the nightlife is different. I'm going to tell you how different it is. We all know here in America, we're addicted to our cell phones. We're face down into the cell phone at all times. If you say otherwise, you're cheating yourself. But 
out there, if you're standing in line at a club and you're looking in your phone majority of the time while you're in line, the bouncers are checking you out and scoping you out, and they're probably going to deny you and not allow you into the club because they don't want you to be in the club on your cell phones. So if I see you're in line and you're on the cell phone the entire time, I'm going to suspect that you're a tourist. You don't really know our nightlife culture out here. We're here to turn up, have fun, and you're not, not be in your in. phone, and you're not getting in. Wow. Wow. <laughs> efficient. <laughs> it was efficient. And so long story short, I'm not going to sit here and tell y'all how the rest of my night went. But I will say this. I didn't get back to my room until like 6 a.m. the next morning. And yes, I was clubbing the entire time before I went to my room. It wasn't me. I didn't go veer off. Up. and Yeah, up. I didn't go veer off and, and do nothing wild and wacky out there. I was with good people. It was great vibes. And we clubbed until 6 in the morning. And we didn't close the club out. The club was still going when I left so the club at 6 a.m. Like Vegas vibe as far as that's like how late they was clubbing? Because we don't get that nowhere in Cali. No, no, yeah. Not not in America, really, you don't get I mean, unless you... I mean, you, Vegas. Yeah. No, Vegas. Yeah, you get it in you Vegas. You get it in on, Vegas you know for you sure. No, Vegas, six in the Vegas morning, is Vegas. about the only place that you get it. Yes, I will say that in America. Vegas, you, it, it, Vegas doesn't sleep. So that you we can know party of. on. That we know that of. We know of. Because I heard but, Miami 5 in the morning, too. Cause I was out there recently. Their clubs was different, too, as far as... The time. The time. But these clubs, I felt like, never closed, is what I'm saying. When I leave at 6 a.m. and the club is still jam-packed and still going, and I'll tell you this, before I went, and I might have the times a little off, but it was like a 12-hour time span. Before I went to Berlin, while I was at the INSP Summit, there was a young lady from the INSP Summit who works for the Bay Area Street Paper, the street paper in Berkeley, and she did the opposite of what I did. I went to the summit first, got that out of the way, and then I got to tour and party and hang out in Berlin during like the second half of my trip. What she did was she left earlier to go out there. I got out there the day before, you know, the summit was beginning. She left like a week before the summit and she partied and hung out and stayed in Berlin before the summit began. So by the time the summit was over, she hopped on a plane back to the States. I hopped on the train back to Berlin and hung out there for a while. And she told me, she either told me she was at a club from like dang near midnight to like noon, like 2 a.m. until like noon the next day, like right, literally right. in the club. And I, I didn't believe her. <laughs> like when she told me this, I'm like, you're exaggerating in a sense. She wasn't somebody like that I figured would BS me, but I just had never seen or heard of anything like that before, so it was just hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. And she did it, and I got to see and understand why living the Berlin nightlife. But overall, it was a beautiful trip. I ended up in some wrong areas of Berlin, too. I got to see the good and the bad of Berlin. Um, so it was just a good overall trip. Really interesting, like I said. Glad I got to meet so many people and establish so many international relationships through this international network of street papers and the summit, the global summit that they held this year in Hanover. That was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And the city of Berlin showed me a phenomenal time. And I'd go back.
Well, we are glad you made it back, back safe. We're glad you had the experience, but we're yeah. glad you made it back. Man. Yeah, I made it back in one piece. I made it back in one piece. But yeah, uh, I, there were times, I will say, there were times where Sketchy. I feared if I was going to make it back in one piece, but I wasn't going to go out without a fight. But next up, we're going to talk about NBA free agency because I know that's what y'all been waiting to hear. So many of you have messaged me, DM me, talking about you not being able to wait to hear what we had to say here on this podcast about NBA free agency. So it's coming up next. Keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. So uh, we've been away from this podcast for a little while. We've been away for three weeks, as I mentioned earlier. And time and again, I've said on this podcast that the podcast tends to be therapeutic for me. It's the place where I can go and I can, you know, every week just dump all of my outlandish thoughts <laughs> and let you all receive them in whatever way that you do. And like I said, it's good for me because I do wear a lot of different hats. I do so many things professionally. Um, I, I'm everywhere. And so sometimes I need that place to be able to kind of reflect dump it off, and then keep moving forward because there's always more to do. But while I was gone, um, I was gone for three weeks, and like I said, I'm usually here every week, so it's a weekly podcast. And when you're used to seeing your therapist weekly, um, there's you know a pattern that goes comes there. There's some comfortability with that. Um, and then when you randomly decide, to just take three weeks off and not come see and talk to your therapist, um, your mind gets, starts to wander a little bit. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> it starts to go a lot of different places. And so I'm in Germany. Uh, I was in the Bay Area for a little while. And, yeah, sure, I did definitely follow what was going on when it came to the NBA and free agency. Um, I've seen all of the moves that have happened. And to be 100% honest with you, I couldn't be more proud. I'm thoroughly enjoying free agency this year, first and foremost. Most entertaining free agency I've seen. I'm ever. thoroughly enjoying free agency. I ain't never checked a free agency tracker so much in my life yeah. this season. Yeah. And so, like I said, as I have all this time to think and I'm really enjoying free agency, um, and I'm not talking to my therapist, which is you all here on the podcast, I started coming up with all kind of theories. And one theory that I came up with that supported why I'm thoroughly enjoying free agency is because what I'm seeing, especially during the offseason right now, is what basketball is becoming for the culture. And I'll let you define what culture is after I say what it is that I'm about to say. But what basketball is becoming for the culture to me, is what golf has is what golf has been for quite some time for the elitist, and I think that we're seeing it now more than ever through free agency, and I think through the off season as a whole. But if we just kind of shrink it down to just free agency, the deals that I'm seeing being made, the places that players are choosing to play, Every single deal, especially when it comes to the big name free agents that we have this year, 
all seem to be just massive business deals. Yeah, the sport is there. We're really good at the sport and it, and it exists and there's no denying that the sport in itself plays a major role in what's going on. But just like they say, the best business deals are made on the golf course. What I'm seeing basketball become for the culture is that place to make business deals beyond just your ability to play the game of basketball. And I'm loving it. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And I think you can start with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Both of them ended up having a meeting. They both end up signing to the Brooklyn Nets. Now, Kyrie Irving, pretty much shortly after the NBA season ended, he decided to fire his agent. And now he signed with Rock Nation, with Rock Nation Sports. Kevin Durant had already been signed with Rock Nation Sports. So you got Jay-Z, minority owner of the Brooklyn Nets. These guys decide that they want to go play in Brooklyn. Many people out there, even when it comes to New York in particular, are shocked that the New York Knicks didn't get those two or pretty much wasn't even in consideration for those two, especially being that they were going to New York and going to play at Madison Square Garden. But then I got to dig a little deeper with the Barclays beyond just the Rock Nation and the Jay-Z deal. And I looked to see who oversees the Barclays Center. And the group that oversees the Barclays Center, which is their agent, essentially, the agency that oversees everything that happens Barclays, the group is called the, the Brooklyn Sports and Entertainment Global. So it's called the BSE Global. And so as I dug a little bit deeper, I realized that the BSC Global has, has hired an ambassador by the name of Angela Yee. Many of you who might know a little bit about hip-hop culture, um, you may know that Angela Yee is one of the most well-known radio hosts for really probably the most prominent hip-hop radio show in the world. And she's not just the global Breakfast ambassador Club. Breakfast Club. And she's not just the global ambassador. She is the global, she's the DICE global ambassador. And no, I'm not talking about gambling when I say DICE. DICE is an acronym that stands for Diversity, Inclusion, Community, and Engagement. <laughs> just listen at what the Barclays is doing right now. Let's just see what the Nets is doing as an organization right now. Is Barclays in Madison Square Garden? No, the Barclays is the Barclays, and it's not ran even remotely the same as Madison Square Garden. What I mean by it, about like the historic, is it going to turn into that historical landmark because of all of these good things? Like Madison Square Garden is historic. It's, it's damn near. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Monumental. For sure. So I'm the, saying the is Barclays, Barclays becoming that. The Barclays will be there. I As think it's said, too it's soon. Not appealing to go I, play I, for Madison. The Barclays Madison hasn't Square. even been open for ten years yet. So we got to remember that it's, it's so, so much soon. power behind it. It's a lot of power behind it, and that's what and that's what I'm loving and enjoying. And when I said this is becoming golf, because Kevin Durant could have stayed and made more money on and off the court in the Bay Area, um, he could have signed a, a larger contract for the Warriors had he stayed with the Warriors. And yes, it's Kevin Durant. He could have went and got endorsement deals with all these different tech companies, and he could have made. A shit ton of money staying there and probably won some more championships staying there too. But the thing is, with the amounts of money these players are getting paid and with the dynamics 
that are at hand, such as the dynamic of the Barclays Center where the Brooklyn Nets play and the way that they've put these pieces together, it's almost like cultural karma how they were able to get Kyrie Irving and mm. get Kevin Durant to come play there instead of going to play at a monumental place like Madison Square Garden, which was definitely an option too. And so I'm just really kind of peeping and seeing all of that. And then you move on from the Brooklyn Nets. You move on to Kawhi Leonard, who still ain't made a decision yet. When does he have until? Uh, free agency goes on for a little while. So whenever the, free, the end of free agency is, I don't think you have to necessarily rush. But usually, if you're a good player in free agency, you're getting that deal out of the way because – a team's going to bite. Like, if you're a really good player, if you're any kind of even remotely good, the sooner you get signed, the better because you're locked in to a contract somewhere. You're not somebody kind of hanging off the fence. Maybe I got to go try Summer League. Maybe I got to go try the G League and just figure out my way to finally get signed and picked up by a team. Um, but, yeah, with Kawhi Leonard, you got L.A. We obviously know – the cultural staple that LA is, and I'm gonna keep using that cult, that word culture. And like I said, I'll allow y'all to define what culture means. But obviously, we saw LeBron go there the year before in free agency. We know all that LeBron is doing culturally now that he's there. Just watch his TV show. We read know, up on his school. Read up on his school. We know what it is. Look at what his kid is doing. <laughs> like, he's got a whole nother generation coming up that he's now putting them in position to have a certain amount of cultural influence. Kawhi Leonard, I might go to L.A. I grew up in L.A. I know this is where I wanted to go to the point where I haven't signed with a team that I just won a championship with. <laughs> That's what shocked me. I thought for sure <laughs> you stayed. Like, stay. I haven't signed with a team that I won Jurassic a championship Park. with. <laughs> like, like, you always hear the other end of the spectrum. You hear LeBron's breakup with the Miami Heat. You hear LeBron's breakup with Cleveland, both after he lost, by the way. You hear Kevin Durant's breakup with the Oklahoma City Thunder. After they gave, after up, they the gave up a 3-1 lead. Hell, we can take it back to Kobe and Shaq. Even though Shaq was traded, we know all hell broke loose back when they lost to the Detroit Pistons. And Shaq ended up requesting to be traded, and he got out of there. Mm. We've seen that story time and again. Kawhi Leonard is the first superstar I've ever seen win a championship. It might still break up with your ass. <laughs> it might still break up with you. But you know what's being reported? That's, that's stopping Kawhi Leonard from making a decision? The Raptors... Met up with Kawhi Leonard, and who do they have tag along with them? Drake. Drizzy Drake. Drake. <laughs> and it's being reported that Drake is offering Kawhi some involvement in OVO, which is Drake's label. Once again, that's that cultural karma that I'm talking mm -hmm. about. How that's about Murder Beats, the producer? Talk about it. Oh, yeah. How about Murder Beats, somebody that I ran into through the music industry in L.A.? Big time producer for the Migos yeah. and a lot of other hits now. He produced uh, one of Drake's biggest hits, as a matter of fact. Uh, which one? That? Super yeah, producer. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But anyways, uh, his camp offered Kawhi's camp a murder beat production 
for anything, any project, anybody in his camp that do music, whatever, for him to stay. And we know Murder Beat, the ticket on his production is sky high right now. See I'm talking I'm about saying? multiple number one hits on the Billboard. You see what so, I'm saying? I mean, it's it's a lot of other, you know, it used you to be just about basketball. It's a yeah. lot of other influence That's a rap. from the culture that make things shake a little bit. That's a wrap. That's, That's a wrap. Other free agents, you look mm -hmm. at Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, he's already playing for a contending team in a pretty big market in Philadelphia. Jimmy Butler's on a team that could win a ring, essentially, within the next year or two, I mean, had he decided to stay. Even it Anthony wasn't too Davis, far off the whole year. culture changes now with that, with Lakers and Hollywood again. It's, it's the all, show. It's, it's all Jimmy Butler decides. Yeah, for sure. Anthony Davis in L.A., yeah, the, brow. The, the brow. We know what that's going to do for his brand, marketing. marketing. Come on, man. And Jimmy Butler is leaving Philly to go to Miami. I don't know what the hell Jimmy Butler plans on doing Jimmy in Miami. Crazy but he's in Miami. He, he ain't going to be no Philly. sitting duck. <laughs> I thought he was going to stay in Philly. That's a, that was a shocker. Probably one of the biggest shocker trades to me. Yeah. But you that's, agree? But that's for, uh, nah, Jimmy Butler is a wild card. I think Jimmy Butler is a what wild card. What would surprise you more on, on the top of the head? Just... I just don't think Jimmy Butler is necessarily a particular player. I just thought it was a good... You know how when you see something, I just think it's a good fit? Like, they was close, man. Yeah. Without that four-bouncer <laughs> off the rim that I keep talking about from Kawhi, they was there. Yeah. You Until Miami threw something at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, my, just, it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Until my, it, it even looked, Kimba. It looked like a good fit, man. I even look at somebody like a Kimba Walker. Kimba Walker, star player in the league, good player. He's definitely somebody whose name was thrown around a lot in free agency. Right. Kimba was willing to stay with the sorry-ass Charlotte Hornets. Like, he entertained staying with the Charlotte Hornets until the Boston Celtics threw that deal at him. I don't give it. Why would you stay in Charlotte instead of going to Boston, which we know is the most winningest franchise in the NBA? You and I have sat here on this podcast and called Boston the best sports city in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've called it that. I'm going to stay in Charlotte instead of go to Boston where I can make a much more grand name for myself, which will then create much more grand opportunities because my skill set is what it is. I can go here, make an impact, and now my name is going to grow in a way that Charlotte can never grow my name. I think you said Boston. No, I think I said the Bay. I said Boston you for did sure. Say Boston. I, know. I said Boston I know. for sure. Well, I I've talked about it on this podcast. Yeah, I remember that Boston remember. is the best sports city. I've talked about it for right, sure. Right. And but like I said, it's Boston and it's Charlotte. You gonna stay with the Charlotte Hornets or you gonna sign with the Boston Celtics? You're gonna sign Easy with call. Boston. Easy call. So so ultimately, just a lot of the decisions and the things that I'm seeing are all about opportunities that are being created, deals that can manifest based on what teams and what locations that these these particular players pick to go to. That, to me, reminds me a lot of golf. We see that happen in golf. We're going to go to this golf course. We're going to go to that golf course. We're going to go make a deal here. We're going to go make a you deal know, there. You That's know what it was for I elitist. See, you know who else I see in the past, I really want to say year, Maybe two years now because of how fast time is moving. But you want to know who else is really getting more culturally in tune, which I didn't see before? Who? Max Contract signing ass Damian Lillard. <laughs> he, he's starting to be – do you agree with that? Yeah. He was really under the radar as far as – his, you know, we knew in Portland that he was loyal to the fan base and For you sure. know, liked it here. But 
I think he's starting to be just a, a wider name. We see the meme with the wave in the Westbrook goodbye, the yeah. baby stuff, the rap music, the diss track, yeah. all of these. Uh, his tweeting he's game become, has been active. He's a conglomerate. Exactly. <laughs> he's and his I'm own conglomerate. And once again, it goes to culture. And I'm seeing before our own eyes, Portland be more appealing to people. For sure. You know, it being talked about more. It being, It's just, Listen. I like how I'm seeing it all these other things work for the good of the game. That was what I talked about when I was on this Portland City Club's podcast. I talked a lot about trying to diversify the sport of baseball. Baseball has the worst attendance now that it's had in like 50 years. Which is damn near ever. In like 50 years. Why? A lot of it, I say, is because of the lack of diversity within the sport. So if you're going to bring a baseball team here to Portland in a sport that is actually on the decline, how do you make it appealing where you're not only innovative when it comes to diversity in the city, but you're innovative and really boosting up the morale of the sport Modernization again? Modernization of the park. All these extra elements, uh, uh, all these the scenery, extra, the view, Russell all Wilson that. and Sierra, the yeah. dynamic that they're supposed yeah, to be bringing. Yeah. What are you going to do outside of having baseball games, games here? All of that matters. Pitches. It goes back to that BSC nice Global. Firework night, all of that. That's BSC Global for the Barclays Center. Mm, mm, <laughs> That's what they're doing. You got celebrity uh, CC Sabathia he does his charity celebrity basketball game every year at the Barclays Center and a softball game too and I softball, seen it last, but like at a couple the, weeks but ago. at the Barclays in particular but yeah, that, yeah that's where he sure. hosts his charity basketball I'm just saying overall though that's a part of the because he, he does a, it for Barclays he for does sure. it at the Yankee Stadium and not everybody he's can a, do that he's a Rock Nation he's bringing athlete his too, cousins the to the damn <laughs> Yankee Stadium and playing in celebrity he's tournaments. a Rock Nation athlete it's too crazy. by the way so it's just being able to see that like manifesting those things and making those things happen I think really truly matter and like I said with the golf model that's what it's known for that's what it's been known for for the elitist and even if I want to take it a step further and go beyond free agency but still keep it NBA Steph Curry is producing and featured in a miniature golf television show called Holy Moly they're literally ripping the golf model, and I couldn't be more proud of it. That's crazy. <laughs> He's got a miniature golf show on cable television that just aired. I think the first episode aired in late June. So it's really a brand new television show that he's executive producing and he's featured in. The first is the, when as soon as the show jumped off on the opening episode of the season, as soon as the show jumped off, it's Steph Curry talking about his involvement and what you may or may not see through the rest of the season for this show. But enjoy the ride. That's crazy. It's, it's the culture, man. It's the culture. And I think being able to do business with people that are like-minded, with people that have like interest, being able to do those kinds of things, yeah, that's going to affect and influence players going to play in particular places and locations where they can dictate what it is that they want to do. It's not just you being this big-name company or organization throwing money at me. For one, I got enough money to be able to make my own moves. Money, and now, power, respect. And now I can make these moves with like people, with people with like interests, with people that want to make the same type of influence on certain communities. That's what the NBA is creating for the culture. And like I said, I couldn't enjoy it and I couldn't It's be almost like a chess it. game now. Strategy. Who's going to team up with who? Who's going to make the best business? Who's going to put the best situation together? Yeah. 
combined to make this shit work for that's real. Golf. I like it. That's golf culture. I like it. <laughs> that's golf culture. I like it. But yeah, but now I do have a question for you though, D-Boy, because I just brought up Steph Curry and I'll just kind of let that segue into this question because this was just, like I said, I've been gone for three weeks. I've had too much time to think and piece scenarios together and that's just what I've been doing. But this is the question that I want to ask you. Obviously, the Warriors for the last five years have had the best court, best backcourt. Powerhouse. And no, no, but the back, yeah, the powerhouse of a backcourt and mm. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, best right. backcourt in the NBA. Um, I think they've been deemed that since they've been winning championships for sure. Um, we know Klay Thompson tore his ACL in the NBA Finals, so he'll be missing a portion of next year, if not the whole season, all based on how he recovers, how he's feeling. I wouldn't rush it if I was him. You just signed a five-year, $190 million deal. Take your time, brother. But, but anywho, knowing that there is going to be a point in time where he won't be playing for the Golden State Warriors, and although the Golden State Warriors lost Kevin Durant, they pick up a guy by the name of D'Angelo Russell. My question to you, with that being the scenario, Steph and D'Angelo Russell starting as the backcourt for the Golden State Warriors next year, excluding Klay Thompson while he's out, is that still the best backcourt in the NBA? Are they better than Damon CJ? So are you telling me are Damon CJ is number Paul? two? Yeah, who, who, who's, number two? who's number two in your eyes? And then I, I, I'll answer that. I would say I still say it's a toss-up between Damon, CJ, and Harden and Chris Paul. You can go either way. Well, then the answer I don't want to yes, get into that. The Golden argument, State Warriors but. are the best because D'Angelo Russell is better than um, is better than uh, goddamn CJ McCollum. Yes, he is. <laughs> D'Angelo, D'Angelo, Hot take, Jake. Yeah, D'Lo better than CJ McCollum and Demar. Hot take, Jake. And Steph better than Dame. I hate to say it. Yeah, I think Steph's the best point yeah, guard Steph, in the NBA. Steph better than Dame. So I say with them two, I mean, there's your answer. Both, it's, it's a two to zero. Ah, is CJ really? I mean, is, is is D'Angelo Russell really better than CJ? Yes. Despite, I'll tell you Despite what, his tactics on the Lakers, yes. I watched, CJ, I watched it. I watched yeah, it. He's a beast. I watched it with my he own can eyes. D'Lo is a superstar. We haven't said that about. Uh, about no, CJ we don't. DJ, I don't think we said D'Lo was a superstar. No, I'm saying it right D-Lo's now. D'Lo's a star. Uh, no, we didn't say it. I'm saying it right now. He's a superstar he's a in the su- NBA. He's a superstar. And, and, and going he's to an all star. Going to that's what I'm saying. Going it took to the, us a long time. Going to, give to the Warriors is about to make him a superstar. Connection. Going to the Warriors is what's finna do it. He, you know what I mean? He's right there. I watched him. His game is His good game enough is to be a superstar. The Warriors trade is about to take him there. But Period. if you're a GM, he wasn't gonna be that at, on the Brooklyn Nets. So, so my question is, if you're a GM though, beyond just maybe what you may think or feel personally, if you're a GM, with the place, with everything being in place as it is right now, we've never seen Steph Curry and D'Angelo Russell play together. We've seen Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum grow together. If you need to win a championship next year. Because I think all of them are pretty much like in their primes right now. D'Angelo Russell still might not even be in his prime yet because he's only 24 years old. So he's still really young. But he's inching up on his prime and it's showing because he's a baller. If you're a GM, are you still taking the unknown and Steph Curry and D'Angelo Russell over the known and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum over the known and James Harden and Chris Paul? 
I know that D'Lo <laughs> is raw. I know that Steph is the best point guard. It's nothing unknown for me to decide. I'm going with the best backcourt in the league. D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry. All right. All right. Slammed. You feel me? Case closed. Yeah, I hear you. I, I I don't disagree with you either. I know. If don't. I did, I, I would know. I, I would know. disagree. But I mean, it's, it's I hard just to think disagree the, with that. the potential there. I think is just greater. On top of what both of them has already accomplished, obviously Steph and all the championships he's gotten, his dynamic and being and being able to change the entire game of basketball. This and D'Angelo Russell is an all star. This leads me to another question that it just popped in my head, but I think it's a very valid question. Give it and your very all. Relevant. Give it your all. Does CJ's talent get underappreciated or disregard discredited to a certain extent because he's not the best player on the team? If that makes it, I, I think you get no. where I'm going with that. Nope. Do you get where I'm going with it? Nope, I do. Because get when you're I think of Brooklyn Nets, I think of D'Angelo Russell, and then nobody. I, right. You know, when I think of the Blazers, I think of Damian Lillard. Obviously, nope. I think of CJ too. But Damian, like, I don't know sometimes if. See, because CJ Raw too, but he's I so think good. it's he's so I think good. it's closer than how I made it sound as far as a no brainer with yeah, D'Lo. That's why I, I think asked the question. Not, I thought it was a little closer because than that I too. think he's not the best on his team. It might take away. I, I, I don't think that, and the reason why I don't think that because let's say CJ went and played for a trash team and he played for a not so good team. I think the success that he and Damian Lillard had have had to we're talking about them being where they're in the conversation of the best backcourt in the league. Like I just that don't holds think, weight, that I don't holds think merit CJ is and that you raw have to be a Brooklyn winner. Nets. I don't think CJ is that raw if him and uh, D Lo switch roles. Yeah, well what I think what I think is this. I think CJ can score in the same way well, he's a good on any team. But what I don't think is I don't think CJ can necessarily be the number one option as your floor general. Right, he's a still and, and of a second Portland, option. And Portland, yeah, Dame's your floor general, and he's mastered that. He can do that. I think D'Angelo Russell, yes, is a much better floor general than C.J. McCollum. Basically, I think of it this way. I think D'Angelo Russell is a type of player that can make guys around him better individually. I think C.J. McCollum is the type of player that can make a team better as a unit. Right. I, that's kind of what I'm... Yep. As a so, unit. So tell I me think, this. Yeah, yeah. While we're on the Blazers, let's talk a little bit deep. How you like they trade? I think this is the best offseason I've seen oh, them they have, got down. Too. They, they got, got down. the hell down. They, they got down. They look like They're they know down. something about something right They're now. They're getting down Ooh. right now. They're getting down right From now. The, the draft pick was a steal. The, the draft uh, pick was a steal. You White got Hassan side is a White side. I think Kent Bazemore... They got they rid got, of yeah, Evan good. Turner, who, you know, I think Kent Bazemore is a better option than Evan Turner. That's me and how I feel personally. Like the that. team definitely Shout out got to better. Evan Turner, he a cool dude, solid dude, but yeah, yeah. We the team, that. the team. I will say, I mean, I just got to say, the team on paper definitely got better. What I'm interested in seeing is the die. Is now it's all on Terry Stotts. That's what I'm interested in He's seeing. He's a good coach. He's a good coach. He's a good coach. But you know what it is with Terry Stotts? He is a good coach, but Terry Stotts is somebody that he he takes his time in establishing what his team is. And that's worked. Like, that's worked for quite some time. But you got guys who are coming to Portland and expecting to make a significant impact right away. How does Terry Stotts make those pieces work where guys feel like they're making the impact in Portland that they should be making? Because you do have Damon CJ, which has been your only for sure thing 
since you've been coaching here, essentially. Right. You had Aldridge before that. It was Damon Aldridge, and then now it's been Damon CJ for some years. But that's been your only for sure thing. And other guys, you see guys get hot at different times, but it's never been all the way that fully well-oiled machine. I want to see him make this with what he has on paper, that full well-oiled machine that we legit can be talking about as a championship contender. They can go back to the the Western Conference Finals on paper with this team. But I I agree there. I agree there. But I still don't think we considered them a championship contender, even with the success that they had. No, hell no. Now I think... With the pieces you have, you got to up it one more notch, and you got to make this team a legitimate championship contender. That can compete. But 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 this is what I'm about to say. Listen, what I'm about to say. I understand Dame had the separated ribs and all of that. What I'm saying is, your team should be able to compete in a series with every single team in the NBA. They couldn't necessarily compete with the Warriors. We saw it was levels in that series. I think now with what you have, you should be able to be. Eye to eye. Even if you don't win it, you should be able to be eye to eye. What they no longer have, even though even though KD didn't play in that series, and they still got swept. But with what you have now, now. you gotta be eye to eye with everybody. I wanna see if Portland can be eye to eye with everybody. Last year we saw Dame do some spectacular things. We saw CJ through some do some spectacular things, and I think their experience ultimately paid off in the success that they had last season. But now, are you eye-to-eye with these other teams? Are you eye-to-eye with the Warriors still? Because I still think that's the best team in the Western Conference. Can you be eye-to-eye if you make it to the finals with the Toronto Raptors team? Can you be eye-to-eye with everybody you step on the court with? That, to me, is what a true championship contender is. Last year, I don't think that I saw them as an eye-to-eye team with the Golden State Warriors, and I think it showed when they got swept. Who else? I want to cover one more. I, I'm thinking, are we missing anybody? We covered the bulk of it, I think. I mean, Ka- Kawhi still hasn't made a decision we yet. We talked so, about that. But other than that, yeah, that pretty much do it. We we covered the West Coast for sure and more. So. Oh, yeah, most most definitely. Shout most out definitely. to the free agency. Has been I think very... we talked about the big name free yeah, agencies. Yeah, I'm not talking sure. about every free agent. Right, Get, right. Give it your all, and maybe I'll talk about you next year. But next <laughs> up. We got our Taking L segment, baby. Keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit thatcast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. And uh, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, as we always do, let's recap some of the winning formulas that we've gave you so far on here on this podcast. Um, I think I gave sort of a winning formula um, I think it was just a winning situation, honestly, me being able to go out to Berlin. Um, I won an award, so that's a winning thing. I got to receive an award on behalf of our organization. Um, like I said, I was in Berlin. It was dope. It was lit. Um, the nightlife, I think I actually did give a winning formula when I mentioned kind of that no phone type of a culture that they have in their nightlife, because I will say, I partied and I danced so hard. I don't party and dance no more. Like that, I only partied and danced because I was in Berlin. Like I don't do that anymore. 
I raged in Berlin. <laughs> like, I'm jumping around. Oh, and I also see why Kevin Durant tore his Achilles too. Um, I do got to say that because uh, y'all yeah. remember I had the same injury as Kevin Durant with the strained calf. Yeah, after doing all the jumping around and dancing I was doing, like I just had it like that. My Achilles felt it the next morning. That's that's 100% the case. Um, but anywho. Um, like I said, the energy there was just, it was electric. It was like I've never seen before. The nightclub I went to, it was just this big, crazy, mega nightclub. It was like five nightclubs in one. It was sick. but Cracking. Cracking. Lit, lit to death. But either way, like I said, kind of that no phone culture, I thought that that was really dope for the energy. And maybe if we decide to put our phone down sometimes, we could have a lot more fun and be a lot more happier and not be as mentally unstable as we are because our heads are locked into these phones. We might be a little more free, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we just might be more free. Facts. Because that's how I felt. I felt free out there. I'm just jumping around and phone I'm just matter. I'm no sweating. Checking in, no, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm just free. I'm chilling. Phone don't matter. We having fun. We're enjoying it. Mentally, I was in a great place in that moment. I remember it right now and I, I i can play it back in my head about that entire weekend how much happy and how much more happy and free i felt because of the vibes that were there so i do think i gave y'all a winning formula there um i think we gave the nba a winning formula especially these players and the effect and the influence and the impact that it's having on the culture um I think golf is a winter sport. <laughs> I mean, big business happens on the golf course. That's something we've known for a long time. We've called it an elitist sport for a very long time. <laughs> the word elitist in itself is a big deal. And so to see these basketball players, whether it be through free agency and kind of cultural deals that they're making through the teams that they're deciding to go to, or if you're somebody like a Steph Curry and say, you know what? I'm not a free agent, but this is the part that I'll do to add to this golf model type culture, which I don't know if it's a coincidence or it, or it was drawn up. But either way, I think we're smart enough to be able to catch on these, to these things. And I'm Steph Curry. I'm going to go ahead and executive produce a miniature golf show because obviously miniature golf is a part of golf culture as well. And Top it's golf, even all smarter that. that he tapping in the kids when it's miniature Come on, golf. Man. You know his kids is his biggest fan base. Come on, man. Come on, Come man. Come on, man. Well, and I, I don't know if the show is for kids, but miniature golf we know is for kids. Kids can relate. I think the show is really like a competitive miniature golf tournament, so it is more so adults, but where kids can relate is kids go miniature golfing. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it's kids go, like, kids are the ones that go miniature golfing, so they can watch this show and be like, oh, I can do that at... For us, it was Scandia where we went miniature golfing that for the most part. But Fact. wherever your local miniature golf location is, <laughs> like it's it's just like I said, I don't know if a lot of this is by coincidence, and I might be blowing smoke, and I may be completely wrong in some of the things that I say. But the reason why I don't think so, especially in this culture where it's all about facts and having real news because president 45 will tell you that you have fake news. One thing that I think has gotten lost in that real news, fake news culture and kind of, it has to be written and etched in stone culture is the ability to read between the lines. 
I'm reading between the lines when it comes to what these guys are doing in the NBA, and it's very, very impressive. Like I said, whether it be um, by design or whether it be by sheer coincidence, Facts are happening. Things are happening. Deals are being made. And that's what I like to pay attention to. And that's my way of reading between the lines and kind of figuring out patterns on why things are successful. But now it's time to talk about who took an L this week. And oh, D-Boy, I'm going to pass it to you. Oh, man. All right. I'm going to start off, paint this picture for y'all because it's real simple and real easy. And I know that 99% of our listeners has heard this artist. So, Monday, July 1st. At the Motor Center. Right here in Portland, The stadium for the Portland Trailblazers. Right here in Portland where we talked about my performances in the playoffs for the Blazers and yada yada. We had Khalid. Khalid. We know Khalid. If you don't know him by name, you know some of his big records that we've is heard Khalid, pop. Khalid, Khaled? Same Khalid, dude. Khalid. Khalid. Okay. Khalid is what I've heard. All right. As, you know. Go for Khaled, it. Khalid. Khalid. We're going to talk about why the confusion is there and why this person took an L. I'm a rug. Location, one of his biggest records. Send me your location. You heard that before, right? Uh, uh, All right, yeah, y'all like how I did that, right? <laughs> so that's one of his records. Um, uh, uh, another one he got. Talk right now, one of the biggest that's records on the radio. Record. It's a that's great a song. Great record. Can we just talk? You feel Can me? We just talk. Yeah, say All that. You feel me? That's another big record. I think it's one of the best records on radio right now. If you ask me, yeah, it's for a well sure. put together song, beat, vibe, everything. One hundred percent. So we know who. Khaled or Khalid is by now. He had a show in Portland Monday, July 1st at the Motor Center. A screenshot was captured of a concert goer who bought tickets to the concert talking about I'm ready for DJ Khaled in turn to get inside the venue and see who's performing and gets an up close picture of it and said who the F is this? Because as we know... <laughs> Khalid don't look nothing like DJ Khaled. So, the moral of the story what? is, when you buy a concert ticket, know whose freaking concert you're going to. Because clearly this wow. concert guard thought he was taking a, you know, buying a ticket to a DJ Khaled. Wow. We the best concert. I didn't hear about here that. Here in Portland. And if you look up, if you just hashtag on Instagram right now, K-H-A-L-I-D, Khalid, you're going to see that this meme has been created revolving around this. I seen it first on Facebook, found it on Instagram as well. Phenomenally funny story that somebody literally got the two mixed up. I still obviously am unclear on the correct pronunciation of Khalid or Khaled, but I know damn well I would know if I was going to a DJ Khaled concert yeah, versus sure. pop artist. 100%. So do your research, do your homework. Know what you're doing. In some and ways, that kind of sounds like Portland, though. It that's does what I'm sound saying. Like it was so funny that it happened here because it's, it's expected. <laughs> Somebody's just buying a ticket. It's the cool thing to do. F it. We got to get it together, Portland. Yeah, we got to get it together. We're better funny, than that so. now, Portland. Yeah, we're we are. Yeah, we, I thought we was more caught we're, up. We're than better that, than so. that. We're better than that. That was a big time L. And all through the comments of this viral picture, people's Portland laughing and shit is yep, funny. See, that, yeah, so, that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. That happened. That that's an L too. <laughs> that's an that's L. A L that in a happened. lot of ways. In that a lot happened. of ways. And if you do know the 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 correct way to pronounce Cuddy's name, 
please let me know because I've been calling him Khalid. I don't know if I'm wrong or not, but I've heard it two different ways on radio. If it's Khaled without DJ in front of it or or Khalid, I think we know who you're talking about. If you're right. into it like you're right. supposed to be, to be going to concerts and knowing who's actually performing at the concert. Exactly. <laughs> and that's 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 simple. Um, that simple kind of rules there. That's that's a simple way to be able to be accepted right. and know and understand. The video that. even opens up with the correct pronunciation of his name, pronounced Khalid. Khalid, there you go. K U H. You got space it. L E E D. That's Khalid. There you, even there you more go. reason why he took an L because <laughs> it ain't even Khalid. Yeah, it ain't, it ain't spelled. I know it ain't spelled the same way as yeah, DJ it's just Khaled. An I and an e. Yeah, DJ yeah. DJ Khaled, Khaled got, an e, got an E D, and his and at the end has an I, I D. I yeah. do know that much for sure. Yeah. Um, so that clears so, up yeah, any confusion. And, and you should have had to read the tickets to be able to see. You should just know better, man. I mean, the big promotion behind this. It's at the Motor Center. Hosting twenty thousand, know whose concert you're going to? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> no you're right. For me, my L this week has to go to Venus Williams, um, and I talk about it often on here. Sometimes when I'm giving people an L, absolutely it's a loss, and I might even be shitting on them a little bit. But in this particular case, and in other cases, I've talked about how. L's can also stand for lessons. It doesn't just have to be for losses. We created it with the kind of, you know, concept that taking L's would be for losses because obviously the podcast is called Wake Up and Win. But you can learn a lesson out of a loss. And so in this particular case, Venus Williams is taking an L for me. And this is probably the greatest L that Venus, Venus Williams or just about anybody could ever take. Venus Williams lost to a 15-year-old in the Wimbledon by the name of Corey Coco Goff. I had to reread the headline three times when I seen it. I couldn't believe it. A 15-year-old in, in the Wimbledon. I couldn't believe it. A I read it three times. Now, obviously, that's an L. From a, from a competitive standpoint... It sounds like it should probably be an embarrassing L. It sounds like it should be an embarrassing loss. I'm one of the greatest to ever play my sport. I'm a pioneer in my sport. I'm an absolute legend in my sport. And while I'm still active in my career, I lose to a 15-year-old. I think in a way that can sound embarrassing, especially if you're an athlete and you can relate to the pride that comes with being a really ultra-competitive athlete. Facts. Facts. But that's crazy, though. But where the loss 15. becomes a lesson, where the loss becomes a lesson, is the moment that Goff winning this match created for her. She was so emotional after winning that match because she has looked up and adored both the Williams sisters, Serena and Venus, her entire life. She's black, by the way, if I didn't throw that in there already. Corey Coco Goff is a young black 15-year-old girl. I I'm not even going to call that a woman yet. She's not a woman. <laughs> she not call, she's a girl. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to call that a woman yet. She's a young 15-year-old girl who went out and played against her idol and beat her in a competitive match, in a match that means something. And the emotional response to me made that loss more worth it than had Venus Williams won not only that match, but maybe even the Wimbledon. 
That loss to me was more well worth it when you think about all of the barriers why, that the, that the Williams sisters had to break in the sport of tennis. Mm, I get what you're saying. And you yeah. have this young black girl who has saying. idolized you for so long. It's almost like having a mentality of a parent. When you're a parent, what do parents often say? What do we often say as parents? I want my kid or kids to grow up and be better than me. I want them to have a better life than I did. I don't want them to have to grow up the way that I did. That's far too common in parenthood. And if you look at Venus and golf, you can kind of look at it as Venus was the parent. Venus was the person who golf admired growing up, who golf probably modeled herself in a lot of ways growing up. Right. And now Venus is able to competitively see the fruits of her labor grow up and dominate and beat her in a competitive match at the Wimbledon and to be able to see the reaction and the joy that it brought to this young black lady in a sport that you broke so many barriers in, I think that it's it's priceless. Right. <laughs> There's no better feeling than that. And, oh, by the way, Golf won her match again tonight, and she's or today, I should say, it's tonight here where we are, but she won earlier, and she's now going to the round of 16. So she beat Venus, and then she beat, I don't even want to butcher this young lady's name, but she just won again today, and she's going to the round of 16. And so she still, and they say it was a crazy comeback. Like she was a yeah, point she away. Won't. She was a point away. I was going to ask, is she that good, or was it just a fluke, or what? Yeah. But she's that good. She won again she today. She's and a crazy noise. comeback. She's making crazy noise. So for me, that was the best loss that Venus could have ever taken. That wasn't a loss where I was shitting on Venus Williams. That's a loss that makes me proud as an African-American man to be able to see the barriers that these African-American women are creating and breaking down. It's insane to me. Like it's a priceless feeling. I'm happy for the young lady. Like I said, I'm even more so in a sense happy for Venus Williams to be able to experience that moment in the way that she did. Even though she took the loss on paper. Even though she took the loss on paper, but to be able to experience that loss the way she did within the sport that she has done so much for, that's a dope ass loss to me. So D boy, let them know where to find you and where you're at. D-Boy LTD with an I, not a Y. That's everywhere. Music, social media, the whole nine. We got music on the way. We just dropped some music uh, two weeks ago or so. Check that out on SoundCloud. Search D-Boy LTD. Let them know something, Pete. For sure. Y'all know where to find me. Just search my name, Devon Pouncey, or my at name. My tag name is at Pounce underscore Sation. Like I said, make sure y'all come Monday. Um, we got Commissioner Hardesty, man. She will be at Sisters of the Road Cafe, and she's having a listening session because she wants to hear what we, the people in the public here in Portland, have to say as far as first responders are concerned on the streets. Like I said, whether you're somebody with lived experience or whether you're somebody that just wants to support a cause that is a very good one, please come out and support. Numbers matter. We want to be able to be a huge voice here in this community in the city of Portland. And I think there's not much of a better way to be able to do it than this. Um, 
And also, like I said, City Club of Portland's podcast, Next at the Mic, wherever you like to listen to your podcast, we had a very thoughtful conversation in regards to the Portland Diamond Project. Um, like I said, myself, I got to really kind of come at things from a diversity angle. Marcelino Alvarez got to come up it from more of a technical and building and, and, and money and optics angle. And I think that the way that we blended in, even though me and Marcelini, Marcelino didn't know each other from a can of paint, I think we were able to blend things in and feed off of each other in a very good and informative, but also engaging way. So I would advise y'all to go listen to that and go check that out. Um, thank you for sticking around with us. We were gone for a little for a little while. We took three weeks off. The vacation was great. I made it back in one piece, but we back, baby. So you're back with us. And uh, with that being said, make sure you give it your all and whatever it is that you do. And we're going to leave this podcast the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. <laughs>